0: Hello, everyone. This is Food Talk executive producer Rob Perra. On today's episode, Danny talks with the founder of Future Food Institute, Sarah Reversi, about their usage of technology and research to create a sustainable agri-food system. She also provides advice for how students and teachers can take advantage of the recent online learning platform. Enjoy the show! Before I introduce our guest today, Sarah Reversi, who's the founder and director of Future Food, I want to talk a little bit about something that's both uh, of interest to me and Sarah, and it's really how we met. She is very interested in the role of technology in the food system, as am I. And I think technology often gets a bad rap when we're talking about food. um, But I think there are lots of different ways to, to really combine high and low technologies uh, especially now, uh, we've seen so many amazing innovations uh, because of COVID-19, how farmers are experimenting with online platforms, how um, uh, big data and AI are used being used to track COVID-19 um, uh, patients and inc- incidences of, of COVID-19. So there, it's a really interesting time, I think, to be at this intersection of, of food and technology and really see where things go. One of the things that Food Tank has been involved in over the last two years is the Refresh Working Group, and that is a group of folks um, in the United States, we're going to be expanding it internationally, who've been interested in in this, you know, how do you make technology useful for farmers? Um, How do you make it useful for food businesses and entrepreneurs? And I think there's been a lot of technology that has often you know, been sort of invented, but doesn't solve real world problems. It's just kind of fancy and, and, you know, interesting and, and folks who've, who've uh, developed it, aren't always talking to farmers in the fields or entrepreneurs who need to use it. So I'm really excited about the use of technology as we go forward in sort of this post COVID 19 world about how we're going to transform the food system, what role technology will have on, on all that. And so Sarah, I'll be in touch with you more about the Refresh Working Group itself. So- Something we want to expand internationally because it's it's so important to be discussing these issues and really figuring out how we truly revolutionize the food system after COVID-19. There will be lots of changes, I think, that that will will need to happen, and we're already seeing so many of them. So again, Sarah is, is the head of the Future Food Institute. Uh, it's a nonprofit that uses research and technology to promote food innovation and achieve sustainable and impactful growth. Sarah has been a long, long-time friend of Food Tank. If I read her a whole bio, it would take me probably half an hour, but she's done so many amazing things. She's based in Italy, um, where obviously, you know, has been so affected by COVID-19. So Sarah, I'm just glad to see you and know that you're well. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: It's super good to be together. So I'm super happy to be here. Yeah. I I actually see that there are a lot of dots that needs to be connected uh, through what you were saying and what we see also around not only Italy, but the entire ecosystem, actually.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Can you explain to our viewers and listeners who might not know about the Future Food Institute, what it is, who you are, and and really what you're trying to achieve?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, actually, we started the Future Food Institute uh, really with the aim of seeing food innovation as a tool, really, to solve the world biggest issue. Because anyway, if we think about food, food has an incredible role in our life. Food is uh, energy, is sociality, is culture, is rituals, uh, is so many things. It's not especially just especially for Italian. Food. <laughs> yeah, but I think. Everyone, if you explore and deep dive into religions, cultures, history, you see that anyway, food is absolutely connected with our life, with the relationship between countries and uh, everything anyway, connects to food in some way. So if you really start to think about food and the important role that plays within the society, you can really achieve a lot of goals overall if you take as a frame the sustainable development goals uh, mm-hmm. that are all connected to food in some way so with the Future Food Institute, uh, we started this journey back in 2012, really trying to explore what we could do, really to change the food system, or at least to give our little contribution to that. And then, in 2014, we established the Future Food Institute, and then uh, the World Ac- of Expo happens, and actually, this has become uh, an ecosystem that sees the Future Food Institute at the epicenter. The Future Food Institute take care of educational program and research initiatives, collaborating with many many UN agencies and really trying to foster the public and private cooperation with the aim of also trying to explore new ways of learning together trying to develop programs that are intergenerational and uh, developing partners between uh, many diverse stakeholders then around the future food institute we started another chapters focused on uh, building communities so we have living labs the biggest one is in italy and before covid we were hosting around two thousand and more students per day, and wow. uh, it was a beautiful space, uh, open uh, 24-7 almost, wow. <laughs> hosting startup, uh, fermentation labs, food makers, was is a beautiful place, uh, we hope really to reopen that soon. And actually, we have another one in Tokyo, and uh, this ecosystem now has a chapter that is focused on R&D, working with the industries to try to achieve the SDGs, and uh, of course, we have our farm. So it has become really a global ecosystem with many alumni all around the world that are now taking over <laughs> this mission and developing more this, uh, this project, actually.
0: Right. Right. Just to, so for our listeners who aren't always familiar with acronyms, the SDGs are the sustainable development goals. There are 17 of them. They are very interconnected as Sarah mentioned before, you know, eradicating hunger, eradicating poverty, eliminating food loss and food waste. These are all things that are deeply connected to food. There are also SDGs that really focus on, on equality and equity. And I think those things are, are more important than ever before. Sarah, because you know you're you're you're. I know nothing could, could curtail your efforts, but because of COVID nineteen, you've probably had to to slow down quite a bit. What have you been seeing sort of happen uh, uh, around Italy as a response? You know, on the food and agriculture side, how are farmers and and food businesses really finding ways to pivot?
1: So, I, I think that actually what we have been seeing here in Italy is a little bit the same pattern that I was able to track also in other countries. The first reaction we all had was okay, we're going to starve, let's go to the grocery stores, let's <laughs> buy all the can we can find and very, say, a lot of food just to <laughs> provide. Sure. The, this kind of secure sense of security uh, around right. us but then uh, at some point we started really to think about uh, which is the quality of the food that we were eating uh, and the risk that we were facing so people started really being very careful about hygiene and mm. starting really to to talk about the safety part of food after three weeks, we have been seeing uh, different reactions because people started wondering uh, from where their food was coming from. started wondering, uh, where are the farmers? Uh, There were no more markets, uh, farmers' market in the cities. And of course, we were all seeing also some shelves that started becoming empty. And so the biggest risk was around food waste and uh, a lot of uh, potential produce that uh, were about to, say, be lost within the chain. And I think that the big reaction, at least at least from the innovators community, the makerspace, the uh, universities, was really to start to help the food system. Mm-hmm. So that uh, we've been seeing a lot of startup coming up, uh, both uh, in, of course, the uh, hygiene uh, and uh, emergency management uh, mm-hmm. and sanitation and so on, but as well a lot of digital platform really connecting the farmers and the citizens, connecting really the farm and the fork, and then people started really looking for local food more than before started wondering mm-hmm. about uh, what's food sovereignty we were not right. talking anymore about that but food sovereignty became a new topic and also of course we've been seeing the, 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 the on nature the article that was talking about how many people we can feed with uh, local right. food and and so on so people started to debate about that we all know that the food system mm-hmm. is hyper complex (laughs) is uh, globalized and we cannot avoid that but i think that we can for sure make it much more efficient and uh, good for all let's say because uh, this situation of the pandemic uh, i think was really able to highlight all the dark side of this system and so we have now at least the opportunity to see what we need to fix
0: yeah, there's a real opportunity to shine a spotlight on those, on those issues that were very dark, very or either dark or very invisible and I think, you know, now is the time to really make those changes that are necessary to move the food system forward. You mess you you mentioned the word efficient, and often when we talk about, you know, the food system, efficiency is sort of has a bad name to it, right? Because we associate that with big big farms Right. And so, you know, but there's a way to, I mean, what we've seen, you, you describe some of the problems we've seen, disrupted food supply chains, you know, empty grocery store shelves. We do need a food system that's more efficient, but also probably more regionalized and localized. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that.
1: Yeah, not only regionalized, but much more inclusive because mm. uh, now good food, organic food is not for all. Steel right. is not for all. And so, yeah, I totally believe that. And I think that, at least in Europe, uh, I've been launched three weeks ago, the farm-to-fork strategy. And I'm really proud of that. I feel proud because Europe was actually setting very high and ambitious standards that anyway are uh, setting the framework. Uh, we know that are ambitious, but we also know that food is absolutely connected uh, with uh, the health of environment, but also the health of the society. And now I think that the biggest challenge we are all going to face is uh, the incredible number of job losses, uh, unemployed right. people, And unemployed people, of course, are going to make uh, many families poor. And we have been seeing that so much also in our cities. uh, The number of people now looking for support because uh, maybe, you know, the the poorest family uh, generally maybe have some supports from the states, like the meal at the school for the kids and so on. Now, this is going to be a challenge. So the the big work should be the one to make the good food accessible for all, and and to redistribute food and to make the food system much more inclusive. Also,
0: that inclusive point is such a, a an important one. I was just on the phone with somebody involved in the organic industry this morning, and and talking about you know how organic you know, started out as very uh, niche. It was for rich people. It wasn't for everyone. That before COVID, there was more of a sense that, you know, organic could be for everyone. It was being sold at, you know, big box stores like Walmart. More people had access to it. But I, I think the, the idea of, of healthy food, delicious food, um, good-for-you food is, is really, you know, the, the idea that that's a human right is now really taking hold, that no matter what color you are, no matter where you live, that you have a right to food that is safe and healthy and nutritious and delicious. And and I, I, I think people are really opening their eyes to those kinds of values.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I think that... Uh, um It's not enough. I think that is not enough. uh, And I think that is not just a matter of uh, giving more space to those technologies and accelerate the technology. So I'm really happy because at least... uh, Um, Anyway, those three months uh, have been accelerating a lot of processes. Now we have the platforms, but I think that uh, we need to combine technology with the um, cultural mind shift. Mm -hmm. Uh, The mindset is crucial. We need to train people really to think uh, more uh, and, and say in a proactive way. Thinking about the prosperity and bringing prosperity, and seeing food really as a way to take care about the society. Because when we choose something to eat, actually we're taking care of the entire chain. Right. My choice right. not to buy a tomato in a shop and go to the farmer or buy to that specific shops is creating an impact. So my choice uh, related to food has a tremendous impact. Uh, really, on the entire society, on the environment, on our health, uh, and we are really taking care of the society around us
0: absolutely absolutely and i i mean the the combination of of you know this mind shift along with technology there's a real opportunity there to create jobs in the food sector that haven't existed before and you know you were mentioning unemployment and and the suffering that people are, are going through right now and will continue to go through because of the recession the global recession because of of covid-19 the food and and
1: agriculture sector
0: holds a lot of promise for creating jobs
1: yeah for sure but also has been very much affected in these months yeah. because uh, yeah. the entire restaurant system food service operators schools closed everywhere so the big canteens of course are those are millions of, of jobs and so i think that Uh, thinking about the mind shift uh, we also need to think uh, what's the role of cooks what's the role of farmers for the society and I think that their role and their their space uh, have been say underestimated until now Uh, cooks uh, as the power (laughs) The cook has empowered really to make something good for the people it's eating. But I don't think they are empowered enough. They don't feel the responsibility they have. So I think that we we should also work on that because sometimes the the farmers as well as the cook behind the scene, not the super Michelin star chefs, the favorite one, not the influencer, but the ones that are cooking for millions of people every day, sometimes are the one the back of the house and people is is not really like the role they play for the society
0: right these essential workers who again were invisible before now you know more important than ever I want to shift gears a little bit and you started this series called good after COVID-19 what what was the the you know obviously there's a lot of uh, the the name of it inspires a lot of hope what do you hope to do with that initiative
1: thank you for this question Actually, we decided to start this COVID, uh, good after COVID-19 with the dean of Franklin University really at the beginning of the pandemic. Day one of the lockdown, we said, oh, my goodness, this is going to be terrible. And at least uh, if we are lucky and we're not going to get sick, we need to take the opportunity of learning something out of this right. incredible ordeal, because if not, is going to be even worse. And so we started really involving uh, interesting minds uh, and start to train ourselves to listen. People like me, like you, we are all the time talking, uh, and sometimes (laughs) uh, we don't take time to listen. And so, after COVID, uh, we actually started uh, to organize this kind of fishbowl, where all the speakers are called to share a message uh, are speaking for one to three minutes uh, and are leaving the fishbowl with the question and uh, the other participants is going to take the question and care about the conversation to build a conversation together. I really think that and at least I feel this need uh, now that really uh, I need to get insight from people that is diverse from me that is coming from different backgrounds. I strongly believe that the Sustainable Development Goal number seventeen is the most important one because uh, without this one, so without the the way on how we can really connect all the others, we cannot achieve them all. So I think that partnership for the goals uh, brings with it also this mind shift that we need, mm-hmm. and the good after COVID really. At the aim of uh, trying to select all the good messages, all the good learnings, all the things that people from other countries, other backgrounds can really share. And we started doing that in a very spontaneous way, involving some inspiring conversation starters. And uh, we did something um, related to, say, combining uh, the importance of spirituality and science, for example. Nice. We've been identifying that, I, we feel the lack of strong, inspiring leadership now. There are no big leaders now leading the right. world. And those leaders actually have been not dedicating too much time to spirituality and science, I think. And um, so we started really thinking what we need, what we would love to see in the, in the next world that we are going to approach. So we spoke about that. We are going to speak the next week about rebooting the future, starting from schools, how we're going to nice. build a better future, starting with schools, with education. We get, we're talking, of course, also about uh, environment. We had Jonathan Porritt kicking off uh, the fishbowl on her day. So we really try to get inspired and to build something together.
0: That's amazing. And and I think you're right. We need to do more listening. And I think that's especially um, crucial in the United States right now to listen to to more voices and learn from them and, and stop Talking so much, I think there's a lot of talking and not a.
1: <laughs> I sometimes I feel I'm talking too much. I need to train myself no. to listen more.
0: No, I mean you're you're one of the good ones. I feel like, but you know, I think there's a lot of talking at people and a not listen. You know, not enough listening, and and so I really appreciate that that point very much. What other kind of of online resources do you have available uh, in addition to those talks and those listening sessions? What other online resources do the uh, Uh, does the Institute have that will be helpful to people during
1: this time? So, you know, that since last year, we started this series of food and climate shapers bootcamp with FAO for the summer. We were expecting to host 10 bootcamps in 10 different countries. Amazing from (laughs) Iceland, Hawaii, Tokyo, amazing. So we had to cancel the majority of them. We're keeping just Pollica in Cilento because this year we're going to celebrate live the 10th anniversary of the Mediterranean diet uh, uh, in Pollica, one of the capital of Mediterranean diet. But, of course, we had to switch all the rest of the planning and we're going to start the second week of July with our Food and Climate Shapers Bootcamp in a digital version. So, together with FAO with Google, with uh, Barilla and other partners, uh, we are going to host this amazing experience that is uh, taking the same uh, key pillars uh, of the, edition, the traditional edition. So, the experiment is really to lead a learning experience combining three different targets. Youth, young activists, uh, Generation Z, guys from, let's say, Fridays for the Future, from the square screaming, let's save the planet, really to inspire them to bring all their energy and your approach as an activist and transform it in uh, the maker's approach. So becoming real problem solvers. The second target are scientists and startupper with a very strong knowledge on a specific topic. And the third target are decision makers. People working in industries or working inside institutions. And they're going to share together a journey of one month, really tackling all those different topics uh, that are, of course, highlighting the strong relationship between uh, food, environment, food diplomacy, identity, the impact of all our actions related to food. And so this is going to be an amazing experience because we are prototyping something that is going to be digital, but also live. So every week okay. they're going to have some experiences live uh, in their community for their community and share it globally. And we have people from more than 20 countries connected and communities from more than 20 countries So that are going to share meals, uh, suppers, and so on. So it's going to be amazing, I think.
0: That's really, really exciting. And more, I mean, that kind of connection is so needed, you know, especially now when so many of us feel isolated, that connection, that inspiration, and you know, that those learnings. And to have such great partners like Google and the Food Lab and like Barilla, that will really help, you know, amplify these messages. Um I know you're very interested in the the role of, you know, circular economies and circular systems can play in this. Can you describe a little bit about what that means? I think people hear, you know, uh, the, the, the term circular economy or circular
1: systems and they don't really understand what it means. Yeah. And everybody's just talking about circular economy, actually. But we love to think about circular living because we need to change our approach to life. Of course, uh, to simplify that, uh, the most uh, useful example is related to what we waste and the fact that we can transform our waste in something that can create a new value. We are working on different levels related to food loss and waste. So both uh, the food that we are losing in the field before the, the say the consumption, so when we are still producing it. And also to the food waste that we create in our fridge or inside the grocery stores. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we do generally is really to see what we can take out of this waste. And sometimes uh, working with some startup or innovators, we find that what we waste can have also bigger value than the product itself. Right. so maybe you can transform from the fish uh, skin you can transform it into a band that can uh, uh, regenerate your skin faster than anything else or you can take or extract the waste from the beer production and create uh, uh, eye proteins uh, flowers or many other things that actually you can create from something that was a cost uh, to manage and something sure. that went waste and this is uh, an example but I think that I want to see it from the entire perspective is not just about food waste. When we talk about circular economy, circular economy connects to our way of living. And so we talk about circular living because we need to think about our life in a circular way, in a regenerative way. So thinking really from the energy that is lighting uh, here my house uh, and the waste that I'm producing, the clothes that I'm wearing, everything needs to become uh, circular. Because if not, we cannot still going extracting, extracting, extracting. Because uh, we're gonna completely kill the planet. There's no more (laughs) like we can extract. So this is uh, in a nutshell how. I see the topic of circular economy or circular systems.
0: Absolutely. That regenerative uh, f- you know, focus, I think, is really fundamental. We talk about regenerative agriculture, but we, you, we do need regenerative living overall so that you know we're not, as you said, so eloquently extracting, 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 and not giving anything back to the planet. The planet can only
1: handle so much. I mean, I think we're seeing that now. And I think that Carol Sanford is a great uh, mentor and source of inspiration for that. She has been writing about the regenerative business, the regenerative life uh, so much. I think that w- there's so much to learn. Uh, there are a lot of people that have been studying this concept a lot. Uh, now it's time to transform this inspiration into something actionable.
0: Absolutely. A- as you look ahead to the next year, what
1: what excites you most? Whoa, um, there's a lot that needs to be rebuilt and so I see opportunities on that. I also see opportunities on implementing uh, technology in a faster way because people have been understanding uh, the power of technology, sometimes maybe, or maybe farmers and so on were afraid or skeptical and we are facing both social and environmental issues. Uh, I'm just thinking about water, for example, uh, okay. and how much more water we need for agriculture, and the fact that, uh, anyway, also in Europe, we're gonna face the next 10 years of potential uh, growth of, in the, the desertification and so on. And so we need really to combine which are the tools we have from the technological perspective, really learn fast and start to implement that to become much more sustainable and less uh, impactful on the environment let's say so i'm excited about that i hope that uh, out of this pandemic we are going to bring with us uh, some of the good habits uh, that we have been uh, learning uh, We've been running different surveys during these months uh, and actually we discovered that people was wasting almost nothing during this lockdown sure. because people was much more aware about what they had in the fridge and they had to cook uh, maybe three times a day. And right. so they were managing their food much more carefully. And this was a very good signal that I hope we're going to bring with us in the new world. But also people were spending more time cooking uh, and sharing the meal with the relatives. Uh, at least I, I did that and I saw that th- that was happening everywhere. People bringing back the recipe of the grandmas, uh, nice. Spending people on making the sourdough seems a strange Grace. thing, but uh, when you have <laughs> to wait 72 hours. To, to, to make your amazing bread, yeah. you understand how much time it takes to produce food, how much work, right. how much love, because I, every time I'm not putting love in my bread, the bread comes out that is uh, <laughs> terrible. Right. When I give care and I take care of that, I give love, food come out that is amazing. So I think that we have been uh, really reconnecting uh, during this lockdown, disconnected physically, but reconnecting so much uh, in a more, say, deep sense. So I think that that's going to be a positive effect.
0: That's a, such a great point. And you're right. If you're not, you know, if you don't come at making food with love, it, it often doesn't end up tasting good. <laughs> so when I'm stressed out and I cook, yeah, it's a whole different, it's a whole different meal than when I'm putting a lot of my, my heart into it. But, you know, it, it, it sounds a little bit... um uh, I don't know, you know, uh, out there for some people, but it's so true when you're really, you know, thinking about it and putting yourself into it, it, it makes the meal so much better. And I, and I I know in my own home that I'm managing food much better than I ever managed it before. And, you know, making sure things don't go to waste. And it's, you know, it's having this time. I know you travel a lot. I travel a lot. Having this time to just sort of think about, you know, what goes into our bodies more has been very, you know, sort of fulfilling. And, you know, sharing food and making a meal that you feel proud of um, I, I'm still desperate to go to a restaurant but I, I, I do feel like I've become a better cook
1: during this time now I want to go to visit the farmers for example <laughs> right. and I've been seeing farmers saying hey you want to adopt a tree of peaches or <laughs> pomegranate yes now people add the chance I think also to think about those things and I think that It's a beautiful opportunity also to give value to the work of the farmers as well.
0: Absolutely. And they deserve it more than more than ever before. And not just farmers, but uh, farm laborers and farm workers, the whole the whole value chain of folks who are involved from truck drivers to cooks and bakers and and everyone else. Um, Before I ask the final question, I just want to make sure people know how to get in touch with the in touch with you. They can go to futurefood.network. They can go uh, goodaftercovid19.org. Um, and any other websites you want to give out, Sarah?
1: The futurefood.academy. So over there there are all our programs uh, for the summer, the boot camps, uh, and all our activities, uh right. say, education. We'll have all those websites available on our on our
0: website, foodtank.com. Uh, okay so my final question is what uh people often tell me is the hardest one because they can't they can't decide but I wonder who's inspiring you the most right now during this very chaotic time in the world.
1: Oh mamma mia. Um <laughs> Paul Pullman. Ah Good one. Because uh, he has been uh, leading a big transition. And now I think he is advocating for moral uh, finance uh, and uh, a different approach to business. uh, And we need that. We need that business people are going to really make this shift that is needed now.
0: Absolutely, we need more business people who can really be leaders in in this space and really push for uh, the changes that are needed. But you know, we we need all of us to do that too. Um, But yeah, somebody with such a big voice as Paul Pullman can really uh, push for that. Sarah, it's been so great to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, A reminder that this episode will also appear on our podcast Food Talk with Danny Nierenberg, and I hope folks will join me on our next episode when I'll be talking to Mark Perone of the United Food and Commercial Workers Union. Thank you so much, Sarah. Please stay well. Thank you. Ciao. Thanks so much for listening to Food Talk with Danny Nuremberg. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share the podcast. Make sure to return to foodtank.com every day for original reporting and analysis on the most pressing issues impacting our food system.